Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is food, is life, is light. And uh, it brings joy and brings victory. We pray that as we look through your word this morning, that we will be enlightened and that we will be energized to walk in victory. I pray that you guide my words, that they will bring glory and honor to you. Ultimately, we pray that believers will find comfort in your word, and those that don't know Jesus will come to him and make him the Lord and Savior of their lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. (laughs) David said I didn't tell him what I'm speaking on, Uh, which makes me think that I probably on on here too often that I speak on too many things. The last time I spoke officially exactly a month ago, I left off somewhere and I said I'll continue. Who can remember what I was speaking on a month ago? Apart from those in my house, Sin, it has to do with sin. So, see, that's why we have to change these messages into songs and repeat them over and over again. Easy to remember. Um, Almost. All right. That's okay. Um, I was speaking on Satan. and his ministry, and what he does. So now that I've given you the main highlight, I spoke on two people specifically, on what Satan did to them. Does anybody remember any one of them? Job, yes, we spoke about Job, and Eve. So now you remember. So, so what did Satan do to Eve? Deceived him, deceived her, sorry. Deceived her. So, I said, he deceived her. And what did Satan do to Job? Yeah, he tormented him, afflicted him. Is physically and also took away stuff from him. Um, Job said, you give and you take away. But God didn't take away. It was God that allowed Satan to take away. So, so and uh, I said, Satan had a target. He had a purpose. He had a weapon, and then we have a defense in each of those cases. When he confronted Eve, the target was her mind, you know, to make her doubt the word of God. And the goal was to make her ignorant, 
And the defense for that is the word of God, the inspired word of God. When Satan confronted Jesus, Jesus said, it is what? Written. It is written. It is written. That was victory. And then I said, in terms of Job, when Satan confronted him, the target was his body and the possessions that he had. They were taken away. And um, the goal was to make him think that God doesn't care, doesn't love him. And, um, and I said the weapon was the grace of God, along with prayer. And then I mentioned something about, um, what's his name? Paul. All right, so now we are up to date. And I said I had four people in mind, and I only dealt with two. So I have to finish the other two persons. But before I do that, I like to read from Colossians chapter 1. So we're going to put it up, and then we're going to read. So I've called this, uh, you know, the you know, victory in Jesus somewhat, and then overcoming Satan. So you have to have more than one verse at a time, so keep going. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And I want you to note as we keep reading that passage, the word all. It's a very powerful set of words, all. So if you like, you can underline it in your Bible and see how many times it occurs. Can I have a lot of verses there? For by him, the Lord Jesus Christ, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. That will include Satan. Okay? So he's a created being. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Essentially, Jesus is God, the one that controls all things. He is also the head of the body, the church, and is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in He himself will come to have first place in what? Everything. Everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, That's where we like to stop. So all things were created for him. All things consist in him. And it's before all things. And in him everything have their being. So the Lord Jesus is supreme. We have to establish that. So you don't get the impression that Satan rules. He's supreme. And dominates over everything. Now... There are four instances in the Old Testament that Satan is actively at work and it's mentioned. We dealt with two the last time. We're going to deal with another two today. Now, I would like to read one more passage 
just to remind us of who Satan is. Revelation, the Revelation passage, Revelation chapter 12. Here we are told about an event that will happen in the future. But it does tell us something about Satan. I want you to note a few things there. It says, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. That's Satan. That's his name, dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. Keep going. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old. Again, Satan is referred to as dragon, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan. What does he do? Who deceives the whole world. That's his work, to deceive. He's called the serpent of old. He deceived Eve. He's called the devil the devil means he's the accuser, the accuser of the brethren, and Satan means adversary. Uh, he was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So he has a host of angels, or if you like, demons, that walk with him. Keep going. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For, this is one other thing that's, Satan does. The accuser of our brethren, he accuses God's people, has been thrown down. How often does he accuse? Who accuses them? Before who? Before our God? Keep going. Day and night. I like this next verse. It tells us how to have victory. And they overcame him. Because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. All right, overcame him by the blood and by the word of their testimony. So I just wanted to remind you that Satan is referred to as the dragon, is referred to as the serpent, is referred to as um, the devil. These are all titles given to him, and he has those that work with him. Now, I like to make it slightly interactive, and I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me the greatest event in the life of David and the worst event in the life of David. At least if you are, a, you are there are no wrong answers. This is what you know as the greatest event. So don't, don't get all worked up. Okay, I'm afraid I'll give the right... The worst answer. I know you know something about David. If I mention David, the next name will come up. David. Or, or David. Okay, so there are good aspects. The, the good aspect, David, Goliath. David. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, we, we, remember, we know David because he conquered Goliath. And we also know David for committing adultery with Bathsheba, right? Now, David conquered Goliath when he was a young man. He committed adultery with Bathsheba when he was a middle-aged man. But David did something else 
that is important. Put up the passage for us. First Chronicles chapter 21. And I want you to pay attention to this passage. First Chronicles chapter 21. Notice how it starts. Then Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Now we come there, we see Satan in action. At this time, just a little bit of background before we continue reading, David had been on the throne for a long time and had great victory. So you could say for many years he had been conquering enemies, he had been succeeding, he had had a lot of victories behind him. And so towards the end of his life, looking forward to the fact that Solomon was going to take over, something happened. We read this passage that then Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Satan moved him to number Israel. Or to take a census. So David said to Joab and to the princes of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring me word that I may know their number. So he was about to conduct a census, but you notice the starting verse. Then Satan stood up and moved him. I doubt David knew that this was the case. Let's keep going. Joab said, This is Joab was David's chief captain. He said, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. But my Lord the King, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why does my Lord seek this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt to Israel? Essentially was saying his army general said don't do it. Don't do it. Let's keep going. Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Therefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. Let's keep going. Joab gave the number of the census of all the people to David, and all Israel were 1,100 who drew the sword, and Judah was 470,000 men who drew the sword. Do we have more? But he did not number Levi and Benjamin among them, for the king's command was abhorrent to Joab. But notice verse 7. God was displeased with this thing, so he struck Israel. Now, Satan in action. The question would be, what is wrong with numbering people? Nothing wrong in numbering people, taking a census. But it depends on what the purpose of the census is, what is driving the census. You know, David had been very successful. And he had reached that stage where he felt, may I suggest to you, if God is displeased, something is wrong. Let me at least start with there. And I'd like to suggest to you what the issue was. He had reached that stage where he felt 
I have conquered so many kingdoms. I've succeeded in so many battles. I just want to find out my strength or the military that I have. How many people are there? He had reached that stage where I'd like to suggest to you he had come to the stage where he felt he was in charge. And so, I mean, after all these strings of successes behind you, you come to that stage where you feel, I know what I'm doing. I'm in charge. I run the show. And what crept up probably was pride and wanted to get action going. And so he told Joab, go and do this. Joab said, please don't do it. And Joab is not known for being a godly man. He must have seen through the king and that his intentions were not good. It was based out of pride instead of bringing glory to God. So he said, don't do it. But David would not listen. He went ahead and numbered the people. But we read, David or God was not pleased at the end of the day. So I see Joab going up and down, numbering people for nine months, and then coming back to the king and said, here, these are the numbers. These are the men of war that we have. This is the uh, battalion of people in our army that we have. So, and God was not pleased. But I want you to notice something else here in verse 8. David realized that what he had done was wrong. The man after God's own heart had pride. And he came to that point where he said, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing. At the end of the census, he realized he had sinned. But notice the word, I have sinned greatly. At least six times in the Bible, David confesses his sins publicly. But this is the only time he mentions, I have sinned greatly. Now, what was the target of Satan in this mission? Let me suggest to you, the target was the will. A kind of rebellious heart you know, to make David independent of God and see himself as the one that is running the show, the one that is in charge. So pride was a driving force. Pride was a driving force. And pride normally comes before a fall. Now how serious was this charge? Let me give you an idea. In this instant, David said to God, I have sinned greatly. And not only that, God gave him the option of choosing what his punishment will be. Let's read. But now please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. The Lord spoke to God, David, saying, do we have more? Go and speak to David, saying, thus said the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose for yourself one of them, which I will do to you. So God came to David and said to him, Thus said the Lord, take for yourself. Do we have more? Oh, this is it. 
heaven. Either three years of famine or three months to be swept away before your foes while the sword of your enemies overtake you. Or else three days of the sword of the Lord, even pestilence in the land. And the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the land. So David said, I would like to fall into the hand of the Lord. But you know the consequence of this sin? 70,000 people died. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, five people died. When he was puffed up and was proud and arrogant, 70,000 people were killed. But notice the source. Satan was behind. And so I submit to you, friends, that pride in all its forms does not bring glory to God. No doubt, if you are successful, give glory to God, but beware of pride. In Proverbs, we are told that the Lord hates what? Six things, and it begins with what? Pride. And Peter, writing to us, He says what? Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee. And then he says something else. God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. Now, so, the target, as far as this issue is concerned, of Satan was the will to be rebellious towards God. The aim was to make David live a life that is independent of God. To trust in his own strength and say, I'm capable, I've achieved so much. What is the defense? I believe our defense is to lean heavily on God and depend on his spirit. Now, I have notes here, believe it or not, at the back here, that probably has more points. But I'm trusting I'll give you just enough and then I will stay up your interest so that you can go and read some more from the scriptures. There was some other person that has a similar experience, but not to the same degree. His name is what? Peter. Remember him? Remember him? Jesus said something about Satan and Peter. Does anybody remember? Satan has desired to see you like wheat. And what was the defense? He said, but I have done what? Prayed for you. And when you are risen, strengthen thy brother. And Peter said, oh, no, don't say that. Even if everyone else will abandon you, I will never abandon you. I'm up to the task. But we know what happened. That Peter denied the Lord and cried. So Peter offered us solution when it comes to the issue of pride. That's what I like to put up. First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you All of you, 
every one of us. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Why? For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Keep going. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares. Do we have more? Then it keeps going. Be of a sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil. You see, humility came. Sober spirit, sober mind, so that you can watch out for when your adversary, the devil, prowls alike around like a rolling lion seeking someone to devour. Then we have him, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Humility, sober mind, watch out, be watchful, so that you might resist the enemy. He's a man of experience, and he shares with us how to overcome. The last person, because I don't want to come back to this topic. So, we meet David. I'd like to suggest, I didn't, I, let me just note by saying that David's pride, at least just based on this, this, the nature of the punishment in God's eyes, was worse than adultery. Pride. 70,000 people were killed because of the pride of the king. That's something that should at least give us pause. Now, there's one more passage, or probably two more. One more person we'd like to look at, and we'll go to Zechariah chapter 3. Kevin, put it on. Zechariah chapter 3. So in Zechariah chapter 3, let me just give you a background. The children of Israel had returned from captivity in Babylon, and Joshua was the high priest. And they were not living godly life. So Joshua... Uh, Zachariah, God gave Zechariah a vision of what was going on. And so this is what we are about to read. The vision of what was going on. So notice. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, remove the filthy garment from him. Again, he said to him, see, I have taken away your iniquity. 
I have taken away from you and will clothe you with festive robes. That's an interesting translation. Festive robes. Nice. All right. So here, let me paint the picture for you as we wrap up. Zechariah has a vision. And here Joshua the high priest is being accused by Satan. So one other ministry of Satan is to accuse. To accuse believers. And we read that earlier on in Revelation. It says, who accuses them? How long? Day and night. Day and night. And he accuses believers where? Before God. You see, when you may say he's a Christian and see what he's doing, how can a Christian do that? And then I get the signal and then I, you know, I confess it. Say, God, I have done something wrong. And God says, you are forgiven. And I sincerely confess it, but my conscience keeps hitting. You've done something wrong. You've done something wrong. You've done. God is mad at you. God is mad. So, and then you, you feel condemned. There are people like that who feel paralyzed because they're always under condemnation from the enemy. So he was accusing Zachariah or Joshua because of the sins of the people before God. And I need my passages. Go back there. So the Lord responded to this accusation. It says, the Lord rebukes you. So the Lord rebuked Satan. And he didn't rebuke Satan because Zachari uh, Joshua was uh, not filthy. He rebuked Satan out of his grace. Notice with me. The Lord rebuked you, Satan. He says, indeed, the Lord who has chosen, chosen Jerusalem. It wasn't because Joshua was unfilthy that the Lord rebuked Satan. It was because God had chosen Jerusalem. But the Lord did something more than that. Verse 3. It says, now Joshua was dressed with filthy garment. The angel said to those who were standing there, take off his filthy garments. So he removed his filthy clothes. We liken that to forgiveness. He took away the filthy garments. And not only that, he spoke directly to Joshua. He said, see, I have taken away your sin. And not only that, he put on fine garments on him. So notice, the Lord rebuked Satan out of his grace because he had chosen Joshua. He also took away Joshua's filthy garment and spoke to Joshua and said, I've taken away your garments. And then he put on fine clothes on him. This gives me a picture of what the Lord has done for the believer. 
so that when the enemy accuses us, filthy garments have already been taken away. In Romans chapter 1, it say, uh, chapter 8 verse 1, it says what? There is therefore what? Now. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want you to take this to heart. If you are a believer, you can be assured of one thing. The enemy is accusing you before God. But you have to remember from the word of God that there is assurance. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But that's not all. Keep going. Verse 31 of the same Romans. Heaven. Verse 31. I'm sure you, you loaded it. <laughs> what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Regardless of Satan's accusation, he who did not spare his own son, but deliver him over for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Keep going. Now read verse 33. Who will bring a charge? against God's elect. I suggest to you that Satan will, but it will not stand. He says, God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who dies. Yes, rather who was raised, who is where? At the right hand of God who also intercedes for us. So there's victory when we are accused. And I want you to think about this. Have you ever wondered why did Jesus go to heaven with scars? He could have gotten perfectly healed without scars. But he went to heaven with scars because when Thomas was doubting, he said, see, see, see. I suggest to you that the scars in heaven Speak when there's an accusation for the believer. It's they speak on our behalf. Say, I've already paid the price for them. They are mine. You cannot, they cannot be condemned. They are justified. And then it goes on, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we, I didn't know I would like this new American standard. It's sounding good. Overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Overwhelmingly, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, you are accused by Satan but you don't have to accept it if you are a child of God. 
Sometimes we do fall, we do things wrong, or we sin. But if we confess it, the Lord forgives us. We don't have to live in that condemnation. Because the Lord Jesus is at God's right hand, advocating, interceding for us. Satan's ministry, he lies, he afflicts suffering, he also could make us sin, pride, we need to be watchful, and he accuses us before the enemy, before God. But we are more than conquerors because of Jesus Christ. I want to end on that positive note, and we have to load, Kevin, whether you like it, more than conquerors. That's what we are singing as we are closing. Margaret will love this because we have to sing at the end. So I will pray and then we will sing. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that you help us to realize that we have victory in Christ and so we can overcome Satan. Thank you because Jesus has already won the victory. We fight from victory. Give us grace and help us to walk with you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.